Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar and full copper repipe, Noella Croy. And I'm story expert and rank arrogant amateur, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we are here today to talk about Flooded, the fourth episode of season six. Flooded aired on October 16th, 2001, and was written by Douglas Petrie and Jane Espenson and directed by Douglas Petrie. Just a warning, this is a fully spoiled Buffy podcast. So if you haven't seen the whole thing, then what are you doing with your life? I mean, really? If you don't let me look at the pictures, I'm going to learn everything I know about demons on the street. So let's go on patrol. In Flooded, Buffy uses her super strength to fix a leaky joint in her pipes. Not a euphemism. And ends up flooding the basement. Also not a euphemism. A plumber tells them that they need a full copper repipe. And then Tara and Willow sit Buffy down and tell her that our shitty American healthcare system sucked up all the money left behind by an insured single mother and fuck not like it's the end of the world which is too bad you know because that i'm really good at anya suggests that buffy charge for slaying and everyone mocks her despite the fact that this is exactly what angel is doing in los angeles but whatever (laughs) anya leaves and xander follows her and despite being completely justified and being pissed at how everything went down what she's really upset about is that Xander hasn't told everyone they're engaged yet. Buffy goes to the bank to get a loan, but due to the shitty Hellmouth property values, she can't use the house as collateral. Just then a demon attacks and Buffy beats the shit out of him while his buddies clean out the cash. I'm not saying I'm charging you for saving your life or anything, but let's talk rates. Later, when Buffy gets mad about being turned down for the loan anyway, Willow notices and celebrates. Buffy is feeling something and emotions are good. The gang tries to figure out what kind of demon robs banks. I think it's mmm fashionic, like mmm cookies. And then Giles walks in and sees Buffy. She walks over to him and they hug. You're a miracle. Yes. But then I always thought so. Buffy and Giles reunite. She asks how he's been, and he asks how she's doing, and she tells him, with as little emotional affect as possible, and then says she needs to train. In a Sunnydale basement, Mmm Cookies is throwing a fit about how he robbed a bank, now he wants his pay, the head of the Slayer. And he's talking to three nerds, Warren, Jonathan, and Andrew. Imagine if the seven dwarves were dweebs, there were only three, and their names were misogyny, weakness, and homophobia. Yeah, those guys. Okay, done. One death slayer coming up. Buffy gets Giles set up on the couch, but in the middle of an emotionally connected moment, she fails to notice and just walks away. Meanwhile, the dregs of masculinity decide that they don't want to kill the slayer, so they send mm, cookies out to do it. Two birds, one toxically masculine stone. Back at the house, Giles tells Willow how incredibly reckless her actions were, and Willow gets angry and says she's proud of what she did. The argument escalates until we get to this. I'm very powerful, and maybe it's not such a good idea for you to piss me off. And that's how you set up the beginning of a fall from grace, people. Outside, Buffy and Spike meet in the backyard, where they both heard Giles and Willow arguing. They sit and talk for a minute, but then Mmm Cookies breaks in and throws Dawn and Giles around and then comes after Buffy. They fight, destroying the place, and Spike joins in to help. Buffy instructs him to get the demon to the kitchen, where they work together to throw him into the flooded basement, where she beats the hell out of the demon. Meanwhile, the three dweebs continue their plan to take over Sunnydale, and they are gross. 
Back at Buffy's, the Scoobies try to repair what they can from the house, and Buffy wonders how Joyce managed to fix the place up every time she trashed it while growing up. Everybody takes a piece out to the trash, leaving Giles and Buffy alone. Buffy doesn't think she can do this, and Giles gives her an encouraging speech. The phone rings, and Buffy answers it. It's Angel. She rushes out the door to go see him. Thanks for taking care of this for me. All right, Noelle. So um, this is flooded, right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And we have discussed this amongst ourselves. <laughs> um, yes, so, we have. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so tell me, how you feel about this episode? I hate this episode. <laughs> I hate it. I just hate it. Yep. There are parts of it that I mm-hmm. like, and mm-hmm. I even hate those parts. <laughs> and I'm not even, I'm not even totally sure why I hate uh-huh. it, because it's not the most hateable of Buffy episodes. I mean, mm-hmm. not by a long shot. There's no. way more hateable stuff that goes down on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so pop culture psychology time Lonnie why do I hate this episode <laughs> all right well I will tell you first of all that there are a lot of reasons to hate this episode um I completely hate this episode um and I think uh, my my thought is on this like the reasons at least why I think that I hate it even though you are correct not the most hateable episode of Buffy um but I think the reason why I dislike this episode so much like I I, I absolutely opposite of enjoy watching this episode <laughs> Um, is that it brings into my lovely fantasy space where everything is metaphor, the reality of like bills, like bills, like I don't want to go through my bills. And those are the things that allow me to do things I like, like have the Internet and buy food, you know, whatever. Um, but but this is like somebody else's bills. Like what's worse than somebody else's bills? Buffy's bills. Like who? cares i do not want to have to deal with plumbing right in my nice fantasy show so i think that like one of the first things like that's the feeling that i get whenever i watch this is that stressful feeling i get when dealing with my own you know life minutiae like i don't want to deal with this with her um but in addition to that um i think uh, like the the way that she is uh, saddled with this sudden responsibility, right? It's like, we brought you back from the dead. Now get a fucking job, loser, right? Like there has, <laughs> there's this sense of, of this, you know? Um, and then Tara and Willow, like, are they, you know, paying rent? Like, I don't believe that Tara and Willow would actually like allow this to happen. I think that they would get jobs. I mean, don't even tell me that Tara, who's been estranged from her family while away at college, does not have her shit together on how to exist on her own because she has been managing to keep her dorm room payments going, right? So they're running out of money. Tara and Willow are going to school full time, both of them presumably still, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Neither one of them has you know a job for taking care of this kid that they have taken on as parents um that this is the discussion they haven't had yet they've just they've just you know spent all this money seen all this money going out and i understand they spent it on the shitty american healthcare system that right. fucks over a single mother who yes. has both life insurance and health insurance uh that's a statement i think yeah. the fact that yeah. we just accept I this do- without question I appreciate Tara's little insert Mm -hmm. to Buffy that's like, your mom did the right thing. Like your mom had insurance. This is not, you know, not that, not that 
we would take this opportunity to shit on Joyce, I don't think. <laughs> but I mean, maybe. Maybe well, we yeah. would. Yeah. But I just, mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. that little nod to like, look, your mom did the right thing. Like she ca- she was really well organized. Everything was taken care of except hospital bills. Yeah. Because fuck that. <laughs> like, yeah. it's- and it's a stressful thing. Like the, the dealing with the bills and the economics of death is incredibly stressful. Um, the idea of being a, you know, 21 year old kid who suddenly has to take care of a teenager and maintain a house and all right. of that. I mean, Jesus Christ, like that's a lot. And it's one of the things that like you don't when you look to Buffy, these are the things that you don't really want to have to think about right um and so all of that together like it's it's one of the things that i just we come into flooded and i'm like and we get the the same thing at double meat palace where we're like dealing with buffy's shitty fucking job like these are the things that i don't really want in my my demon vampire fantasy story that is supposed to be about all about like you know um mythology and metaphor and all of that kind of stuff like um yeah isn't double meat palace also Jane Espenson or am yes. I yes it is All right. it is also Jane Espenson and the thing is huh. I love Jane Espenson I, I do mean, too one of the things that I absolutely fucking adore in this is mmm cookies right I <laughs> love that and I will say that always forever so it's like so good. It's her play with words and all of that kind of stuff and her sense of humor like I absolutely adore and so there's a lot of stuff in this episode that I actually do enjoy but it's the day-to-day stress of like all it's like the opposite of ASMR right ASMR is supposed <laughs> to like calm you down and make you feel good and this is like hey uh Bill's you know um so yeah i don't want to see that in my tv generally i understand why they're doing it i understand the vision of this season as being like the reality of adulthood um but i kind of wish we'd done that with metaphor rather than the actual you know reality of adulthood i automate all of my bills i automate everything i give them a credit card at the beginning of the agreement and then i just (laughs) never think about it again because it makes me insane you know so the idea of Buffy also and Buffy hey we brought you back from the dead get a fucking job deadbeat like yeah she's so funny she's mm-hmm. like I but I wasn't spending any money I was all I dead was and frugal, frugal which is right. one of my favorite which, lines which is a point that I yeah. definitely feel for Buffy I was all, she's I like, was all dead and frugal how is this my problem how now? is this <laughs> my responsibility you brought me back from the dead I am the slayer like how is this my responsibility like I mean I get how it's her responsibility because it's her sister it's her mom it's her family yada 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 it's her house yeah. but uh but Tara and Willow were dealing with this like Tara and Willow were addressing the problem of bills and that it never occurred to Tara or Willow that maybe one of them needs to go to school part time and get a full time job that maybe one of them needs to do also also let's just let's just visit this right Uh, Willow has the power to bring people back from the dead she doesn't have the power to make the electric company think they've been paid like how does that you know? she, okay, she can turn on a phone like they're at the the Texaco Corral with all yes. of the, you know, right. the nights. And she of can Andy. magically yeah. make this old payphone work. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, but she can't make the And mm. also she can mundanely make the electric company think that they got paid because she has, you know, computer hacker skills. So, um, yeah. So like there's that. 
that like Willow has all of this power, she can't use it for like, you know. Oh, but Willow is more interested in using power for things she shouldn't be using power for. <laughs> All right, so let's take that as a segue because hot damn. We that get is some, how you do a segue on this is, show. I, I got to say, very nicely done. Thank very you. Nicely Thank done. you. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about Willow and her power and everything that is going on because hello, this is this is where Willow gets very, very interesting and this, scary. Yeah. For as mm-hmm. much as I hate this episode, yeah. I, I mean, and this, right. this is one of one of the things I love in mm-hmm. this episode that I also hate is Giles and Willow. Yeah. And this oh, whole absolutely. scene, this whole damn scene that they have together in the kitchen, Giles, oh my God. when Giles enters the kitchen, I'm just going to walk through it because it's yes, so masterfully do. done yes, in so many I ways. I love this scene. So we're just, mm-hmm. I'm just going to geek out about this scene for a few minutes. Absolutely. Um, so I'm talking about the scene where... Willow Willow is talking to Giles and Giles mm-hmm. is telling me about the spell. So Giles mm-hmm. enters the kitchen. He's just talked to Buffy. Willow says, isn't it awesome? And Giles says, mm, like the best non-committal yeah. noise. Like he's not going to give her a yes or a no. And he mm-hmm. pauses for a second. And then he says, tell me about the spell you perform. Yeah. And this is like, this is the Willow of my heart. She's mm-hmm. so happy and excited to have someone to brag to. I mean, yes. she's sitting there. She is sitting there like like a little girl with Somebody milk and cookies. Somebody who understands what she yeah. did, right? She's yeah. so excited. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is a child who just, like, mastered a really difficult skill. Yeah. Having her milk and cookie break and, like, so excited to tell you about what she did with her day. Right. Mm-hmm. She cannot wait to tell him about... How amazing this was, how scary. And when she says so scary, like it was a cool, positive thing. Yeah. You can see the oh shit feeling hit, Giles. Like you can see it. It's like a Mm -hmm. force in the air in the room. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way she punctuates the description of the spell with a bite of cookie is just Mm -hmm. like masterful. Mm -hmm. Like she's not only is she so pleased with herself and like so ready to like celebrate this victory but it just like nothing nothing makes somebody look like a little kid more than taking yeah. a bite out of a cookie seriously like it's just yeah. there's something very childlike about it that mm-hmm. i really appreciate and then he calls her stupid yep and oh boy <laughs> and her face just falls and she mm-hmm. says i thought you'd be impressed or something right and he gives her a full-blown work dad i'm not mad i'm disappointed lecture and he's <laughs> right. absolutely right in yes. everything he says he yes. trusted her the most of all mm-hmm. to respect the forces of nature and this is something that i love about Giles and Willow and about this Mm -hmm. scene in particular, they've had a close working relationship for a long time now. And they're very much on equal ground in a lot of ways when Giles leaves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and in a little bit of metatextual support for that idea, Alison Hannigan replaces Anthony Stewart Head in the opening credits in Mm -hmm. that spot. It goes from the and Anthony Stewart Head as Giles card to the and Allison Hannigan as Willow card. Like there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a, an acknowledgement on the part of the show itself. Yeah. That these people are not interchangeable, but are equals in terms are of added, what they're yeah. able they're peers. to do. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're peers. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, it's it's so hard. It's so hard to yep. see Willow get shot down by Giles. But of course, he's absolutely right. Yep. Everything he says is absolutely spot mm-hmm. on. You can see like the weight of his age and experience. Yeah. Like coming into this conversation. But what I love is that he's he is correcting her. He's trying to mm-hmm. shift her perception mm-hmm. of what she did. And then she stands up. And she stands up as she says, Giles, I did what I had to do. Mm-hmm. I did what nobody else could do. Mm-hmm. And she's still very much convinced that she's right. Um, yeah. And that I mean, what she did was that good. he's not patting her on the head and saying how amazing she is because he's the one like when you have a certain level of expertise, mm-hmm. you can tell people what you did, but they can't understand like right. what it means that you did that, you know? Yes. But somebody who has the expertise can understand it and should be impressed. And that's where she's coming from. And here she is. He's the only one who can understand what she did. And the problem is he does. He understands yep. exactly what she did. And it was fucked. You yeah. know? Um, and when he lays into her, I mean, my God, you rank arrogant amateur. Like he is getting the point across. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love I love that she like she just wants some goddamn credit yeah. you know like, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. she really wants no, some credit I understand that yeah and mm-hmm. she said you know and and he says there are others in this world who could do what you did you just don't want to meet them mm-hmm. and that she's a little bit taken aback and she says no probably not but well they're the bad guys i'm not a bad guy right i love everything about this line Mm-hmm. I love the foreshadowing in it. Right. I love mm-hmm. the way it speaks to Willow's youth and inexperience. And mm-hmm. I especially love this example of the egoic thinking mm-hmm. that we all engage in oh, from time to time. Yeah. And especially when we are called out or challenged <laughs> to see a situation. Note, when I read that note in your notes, I was like, oh, and I had like five, I had a flash of like five or six incidents in which I'd been called out. And my first response was this shit, right? Yeah. You know, like I know we all have that and it is such a natural kind of human response. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's so, I mean, oh, it's yeah. so great. And it's such a, it's such a real response to, yeah. to, to, being challenged to see a situation and especially ourselves mm-hmm. in an uncomfortable light. I mean, yeah, Nazis yeah. are bad. We're good. But I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> like you can't. Yeah. We have these narratives uh-huh. about ourselves. Right. That, that kind of keep us safe from that sort of criticism. And then when you yeah. have that criticism, you're like, well, damn, you know, like your first instinct is no, that's not possible because I'm one of the good ones, you know. Yeah. And then you realize Right. But it takes a little bit, you know, to realize that. And yeah, that is such a wonderful expression of that. Yeah. I mean, we see it all the time, right? The Mm -hmm. only moral use of this power is my use of this power. Exactly. No one else should use this Mm -hmm. power because they're the bad guys. But they can't be trusted with it. Mm -hmm. It's like, really? Really? Can you? Um, And I appreciate that Giles doesn't acknowledge Willow saying, I'm not a bad guy, except to kind of indicate. Like he's he's got his back to her because he's doing something at the same. Yeah. He's washing yeah. something, or mm-hmm. but he's got his back to her, so he doesn't he doesn't really acknowledge that statement. Yeah, the, I'm not a bad guy. He just kind of moves his head to show us that he's heard her. Yeah, um, which again 
I appreciate. But then, of course, he yeah. whirls around. He says, I wouldn't congratulate you if you jumped off a cliff and happened to survive. Oh, my God. I know. She says, that's not what I did, Giles. And he says, you were lucky. And she says, I wasn't lucky. I was amazing. And again, oh. I'm like... I am with everyone in the scene. Yes. Like, yes. I am with both of them because, mm-hmm. like, she was amazing, but that doesn't, like, both things can be true. Like, you well, fucked and with forces that you shouldn't right. have fucked with, and you were amazing. And like, what that's... happens when you're very good at a bad thing? Like, there is a a love story with the work when you're good at something, right? Oh, yeah. And the thing that makes this so wonderfully complicated um, is that Willow is very good at a very dangerous thing. You know, and when that happens, what happens to good people when that happens? You know, I used to talk about uh, Breaking Bad being a good example of what happens when you're really, really good at a very bad thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But Breaking Bad also had like this other complicated element of was Walter White actually a good guy or was he just a weak guy? You know, Mm -hmm. so many really great questions there coming up in my Breaking Bad podcast. Just joking. I'm not doing a Breaking Bad podcast. (laughs) But um, please don't. I think that it's really it's really interesting having Willow in this circumstance where she is very good at a thing, a talent she developed to help the Slayer, to help keep people safe, you know, but then like the power that that gave her to shape the world in the way that she saw fit. That's a villain role. Right. You know, and that and I love that this, you know, this arc for her is a natural arc that crosses over from good guy to like not good guy. Um, And I love that run for her, that that's a natural shape of that arc. And it lands in that place, you know, when you take it too far Um, and to have that kind of power to have the kind of power to shape the world the way that you want it. Who among us? wouldn't make some of these choices and think that it was okay because we are not the bad guys. Like it's yeah. good. It's well, real especially good. Especially at 20, 21. Like, oh, fuck yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I was, <laughs> I was talking just the other day with a beloved friend about decisions that we made when we were 20 <laughs> and 21 and how, how, it seemed like such a good idea at the time. At the you know? time. Like, it, it does such seem like such thing. a good idea. Right. I mean, yeah. I love this fight. I mm-hmm. love this fight. I hate this fight. Yes. But I love mm-hmm. them both doubling down on their respective positions. I love mm-hmm. Willow and Giles as equals. I love that both of them are given equal emotional weight within the scene. Yeah. In terms of the writing and in terms mm-hmm. of the direction and the framing. Yeah. Um, when Willow is standing at the breakfast bar and Giles is standing in front of the kitchen door, they appear to be the same height. Yeah. Like, we have we have seen them hug. We know they're not the <laughs> same height they're at not. all. Yeah, but they are um, equals. They are peers. And that's how we see it. Yeah. And I also love that the music does this kind of ominous thing. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's so foreshadowing. It's so getting us ready for what is going to happen with Willow. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just, I mean, it's just so well done. Yeah. And then there's this, this thing that happens with Willow where she's sticking up for her own power. And she says, and maybe it's not a good idea for you to piss me off. Oh, my God. Giles yeah. has no response to this except to look ever so slightly shocked and then break mm-hmm. eye contact, mm-hmm. which seems to snap Willow out of it for a split yeah. second. It's a 
beautiful acting oh, moment. It's wonderfully it's tiny. done. Mm-hmm. She has been looking at him with this unblinking stare and then he breaks eye contact and she blinks and kind of shudders like she's mm-hmm. startled herself with this kind of bold threat. It's yep. just, it's really good acting. It's yeah. really good acting. It's no, great it really acting is. on the show. Mm-hmm. I have said it many times. I will continue to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I love those tiny little choices that actors make that really let you yeah. all the way in to mm-hmm. what's going on with them. Uh, yeah. um, and she says, I'll think about what you said and you... Try to be happy Buffy's back. Oh, God, Willow and her growing need for everyone to be happy. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, oh, it grates so hard because yep. it's so born out of this insecurity that has been, I think, bubbling under the surface mm-hmm. this entire time. But yeah. now Giles has really pointed up like exactly what she has done. Mm-hmm. and how yeah. that's a problem and it just that that be happy insecurity mm-hmm. comes back and i just oh god it gives me feelings it's so it's uncomfortable so but it's so good <laughs> um and then to to end this fight we give giles the last word mm-hmm. and we don't see willow reacting to what he says about not knowing where buffy was and not being convinced she's come back quote unquote undamaged which is such a hard choice of words yeah um and we don't see willow react because by that point we've cut to buffy outside and the the Mm -hmm. suggestion with the visual and the audio is that she is hearing this that she and of course spike are overhearing Mm -hmm. this overhearing that whole thing oh it's it's brutal it's emotionally brutal and it's so but it's so well done it's it is. so, yeah. so well done, but I just hate it. <laughs> I know, I know. I it's it. so, but it's so wonderful. Like I hate it and I love it, you know, I mean, and I hate it in all the ways that I should. And I love it in all the ways that I should. It is, it is really like, you know, one of the best parts of this episode. And that's the thing, like even the parts we love, right, are still difficult, you know, um, but it's, it's so, it's so, so good. But like, that's kind of it for me in terms of like stuff I really really like want to geek out about in this episode because everything mm-hmm. else I just kind of feel like oh god really I mean yeah except yeah. <laughs> except Buffy applying for a loan I feel like Buffy you know I didn't know exactly what you would need so I brought everything oh my god Buffy applying for a loan is me preparing for everything I'm new to and uncomfortable with so I felt right. like I I felt seen and acknowledged in that moment but also like i don't i i know i don't want to yeah. see that that's a bummer yes <laughs> i know it is it's a bummer the whole thing is a bummer you know and then she's there you know in the bank trying to get money because uh suddenly she has to deal with this responsibility which is so unfair like i fucking hate that um but one of the things though that that you know i thought was kind of interesting i i had the wonderful opportunity to actually watch this episode in the company of dr kelly jones who all of you will remember from big strong yes and from still dead the angel podcast um and as we're watching it uh we're watching the scene where they're telling buffy about her money problems right and then anya says hey why don't you charge for it right Mm -hmm. which isn't a problem when angel does it over an angel in los angeles right you know um but now it's suddenly unthinkable for buffy and uh and kelly says why do we villainize women when they ask to be paid for their work and i was like oh hot damn 
hot damn <laughs> drop that mic dr jones and so i wrote it down actually a lot of things i will be quoting dr jones throughout this episode because every time she said something i was like oh that's really good i'm gonna write that down um but it's you know i mean it's interesting that angel charges and that's okay but she can't you know um everyone right. rolls their eyes at anya when she suggests it like it's just the absolute worst thing in the world for her to say hey you know, I mean, yeah. here she is. She's the Slayer, but because she was born to it and called to it, the Watchers who get paid don't have to pay her or, you know, care for her or take care of her at all. Um, I find that appalling. Yeah. The fact that, I mean, the fact that this episode has mm-hmm. no discussion of yeah. the the pay structure or lack of same within the yeah. Slayer Watcher. Yeah. So, like, it's. Anyway. This isn't something nobody says, hey, let's go to the council and tell those fuckers that it's time they paid up. Hey, let's do this, right? Yeah. Nobody ever says time for the Watchers Council to pay up, but they paid Giles retroactively his Watchers salary and reinstated him. He's like it, getting a salary. It really does raise the question of who is supposed to be caring for the Slayer? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because arguably watchers getting paid and slayers not getting paid suggests that someone that that we're not paying the slayer because someone is taking care of her mm-hmm. right like that i mean that's the most generous reading of the, that the parents who are soon to be devastated because at 18 the watchers killed the yeah, slayers like what what huh yeah it makes no sense yeah. it makes no sense mm-hmm. except that like Okay, we've had a lot of actually really good ideas from Anya this season yeah. so far and last yeah. season. I mean, Anya's kind of Anya's Anya, kind of on fire. Anya saved the goddamn world yeah. between the troll hammer and the Dagon Sphere. I mean, and the Buffy bot, right? Yeah. I mean, Anya saved the fucking world with her plan. And she never gets credit for anything. Everybody always rolls their eyes at her. I find it really irritating. It feels gaslighting to me because she's kind of amazing. Well, and she understands how things work. Mm-hmm. And like in this scene where mm-hmm. Anya's going over the bills and, you know, Buffy has that line about I was all dead and frugal that I love yeah. so much. Yeah. Anya explains in very simple terms, this house all by itself just sitting here costs money. Yes, it does. Which <laughs> is a great way of explaining yeah. Yeah. like that that issue like how is it possible that you can be all dead (laughs) and not spend money exactly and still owe a bunch of money so anya not only does anya understand how things work but anya has this great and actually like really astute observation Mm -hmm. that you are providing a service and you should be reimbursed for that service yeah but it's a joke everyone's like Mm -hmm. no not possible because capitalism and patriarchy go hand in hand Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. active systematic participation in capitalism is hypermasculine, and hypermasculinity is almost by definition obsessively anti-feminine and anti-woman. Yeah. So of course women don't get paid for the work they do. Like paid labor. Yeah. Like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And not only not only do do women not get paid for the work that they do, but a woman who pursues payment mm-hmm. <laughs> like that would be horrible yeah. yeah and it's framed that way it's like 
women Dawn are is like discouraged. No. and this like, is part of the reason why women don't get paid more you know uh, at an equal level to men is because often they don't ask for it you know not saying that i'm not blaming well, the because, woman for this but i'm saying women are actively discouraged from asking for it and when they do ask for it they often get refused so i mean like this is the kind of thing that you know that we uh, as women are coming from you know just an uneven playing field in what how we are valued the expectations of what we should get for our work i mean women are socialized for sacrifice right you know and yeah. that's kind of part of that whole game too well, and there's I mean, there is literally one field mm-hmm. in which women earn more than men. Do you know what that is? I have no idea. It's modeling. Wow. Models, female models mm-hmm. earn more than their their male peers. Mm-hmm. And that is the only industry in which that is true. And I think that speaks to a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. But this, so it's not, it's not just that the slayer doesn't get paid, right? Mm-hmm. It's that when someone, another woman, interestingly, who is also mocked for her business savvy. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you can go down, we could go down a rabbit hole of like participation in like active participation in capitalism. Yes. Being mm-hmm. not so great for yeah. women for all these reasons and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. But when a when when a woman who knows about finances mm-hmm. and how how money works right. <laughs> hashtag how money works um, <laughs> says hey you should you should charge mm-hmm. the reaction is not just it it's not just a mocking reaction but it's a horrified reaction it's an actively hostile reaction it's a like yeah. that would be like Almost like that would be immoral and unethical mm-hmm. to charge for saving yeah. people's. Like I think it's Dawn who says you can't charge innocent people for saving their lives. Cops get paid. Also, doctors get paid. Well, look, if mm, you're talking about, don't get me started on cops. This is not no. Yeah, we're not going to have that discussion. <laughs> but my point, my point being, is that yeah, apparently you can't. And doctors get paid, right? You know, mm-hmm. if somebody is dying and comes into a hospital and doesn't have insurance and can't pay. You know, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of these things where like people, how is it any different to say you don't have the insurance for this, you know, treatment? So we're going to do the absolute bare minimum for you, charge you out the wazoo. You're never going to be able to, you know, get away from all of this medical debt that you've incurred. I mean, and that also, I mean, even for people like people are discouraged from going to get the help that they need because they know they won't be able to afford it. So people die all the time. You know, in our healthcare system, which I say in finger quotes, right? Yeah. Because, and here we also have an example of exactly the ways in which our healthcare system is absolutely fucked. And no one bats an eye. No one says, what the actual fuck? Everybody says, oh, yeah, absolutely. We have an insured woman who did everything right to take care mm-hmm. of her family and it still got fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that little there's that line at the bank mm-hmm. when the the loan officer says, what? Oh, shoot. He says, you have you have no no collateral. You have no job. I forget yeah. what the first word is. But the second thing he says is you have no job. And yeah. then, of course, the demon shows up and yeah. Buffy says no job, I wish or something like that. Right. And this you know, again, this tension with like she has a job. Like yeah. she literally has a job that doesn't pay her 
anything but she but has this responsibility and it is a responsibility that cares for society um yeah and i just i the whole thing and that's part of like this whole episode is so frustrating because we have here like an illustrated example of the way in which our healthcare system is completely and totally fucked and we don't acknowledge it but nobody we don't even get a moment where somebody's like well this is bullshit you know yeah um nobody they're just like this is just the way it is we accept it right you know yeah um and so all of this is irritating and um this this episode is illustrative of like so many things that are just fucking wrong and yet we don't question it we just say this is how it is we accept it and the one person who says you know is actively mocked mm-hmm. you know so yeah who is often the Anya is often actively mocked oh, for yeah. her real legitimate observations about what's going on. Yeah. Um, shall we talk about Xander and Anya and their engagement? Ugh, I guess if we have to. I mean, yeah. OK, I know. Real talk, like, that's how I feel about this whole episode. <laughs> exactly, I'm like, oh, do we have to talk <laughs> about this? have to. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, she has she has a very real yeah. concern here mm-hmm. especially because as she points out to xander like getting married was your idea yeah this was your idea and you gave me this ring but now i can't it's wear it months. or tell anyone it's been five months like come right. on and he's clearly like he was the one this was his thing he was the one who proposed to her it was this whole thing and now he's just refusing to tell anybody refusing to acknowledge it right and that's part of making it real is the acknowledgement amongst friends and family and all of that kind of thing right that's how you make things real is you tell people you know um and he's refusing to do that and i don't blame her for being upset about that yeah i don't either you know yeah i don't either and it's again her her frustration with him her very real valid Mm -hmm. frustration with him being in a relationship with somebody you love and then you can't tell anybody that's a shitty feeling it is shitty um yeah but you know then she's then again like it's it's comedy right Mm -hmm. like it's great writing for anya but it's we're supposed to laugh at her when she says hey you tricked me just now with your fancy talk and lips like you know like it's supposed to be like tee hee Anya is super emotional over this thing. Like Xander is just trying to do the calm, measured, grown up adult man thing. And no, no, he's doing the manipulative version of what Willow does with the um, with the the special. I can't remember Leith's Bramble or whatever when she makes Tara forget so that they don't fight. He is doing I mean the thing is it is a manipulative thing that he does which he clearly knows works because she said no you do it again. She's like you keep doing this where you trick me. That's a good catch. Yeah. So he has been doing this all along and she's like no it's not going to work this time but I mean he's been manipulating her to shut her up about this this whole time Um, and yeah yeah, it sucks. Like the way that Xander treats Anya sucks. It has sucked since the day that they got together. He has never appreciated her. She is amazing. 
you know, and yet she is the comedy mule and we just make fun of her. And honestly, Hell's Bells, I look forward to it because post Hell's Bells, Anya is the Anya that I signed up for. Yeah, that's the Anya that I love. Um, And people start taking her fucking seriously again, which I love. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm fine with I'm fine with laughing at Anya or laughing with Anya when she's being ridiculous and like Mm -hmm. not understanding how to human. Mm -hmm. Like there are moments where I feel like that's that is fine and valid. But when she raises real concerns Mm -hmm. or has like actually helpful ideas and observations and it's like oh tee hee Anya Mm -hmm. no thank you no (laughs) no no. I don't when she's yeah when she's being kind of dismissed you know it's really irritating especially when she's right and when she doesn't get credit for the things that she does and the ways that she helps and participates you know um within this group that yeah it just it really super fucking irritates me um but one thing that i did enjoy though in this whole thing is mm, cookies right mm, cookies. um i love a demon <laughs> called mm, cookies and this is where i would like to have my you know my moment of dawn right everybody hates dawn well not everybody a lot of people hate dawn right um and the thing is that i was irritated by dawn too until i started doing a critical read of this you know, of this show. Uh, Because the more I look at Dawn, the more I actually pay attention to Dawn, the more I kind of love Dawn. I love her whole thing about, well, if I don't, you know, read about demons here, I'm going to learn everything I know about them on the streets. Like, I love that. She's adorable and hilarious. It's so good. That's not a horn, right? You know, I mean, I love the whole thing. And I love the mm, fashionic, like mm, cookies. Like, that's cute. That's clever. I like Dawn. So I just want to say we have some adorable Dawn. I think we have more good dawn than we have bad dawn honestly i think the balance you know um from the time she picked up the coat rack and beat the shit out of a queller demon um i have. I had love how you come back to that respect. every time you talk about dawn like I and it. i don't it's blame badass. you because it's badass yeah yeah I, I mean and there are lots of there are lots of examples of badass dawn but that was the one that woke me up that was the moment and i think that's why i always go back to it that is the moment that i was like hey wait a minute that's yeah. pretty badass and we never give her credit for that We never give her credit for any of the stuff that she does. You know, we just think about the annoying parts of Dawn. And the thing is, is that they make Michelle Trachtenberg scream a lot when Michelle Trachtenberg screams. Yeah, I get it. It's a great scream, though. It's a great scream, but it is also really kind of like nails on a chalkboard irritating. And like, I get it. Like when she screams, get out, get out, get out. I get it. When she screams, glory, glory, glory. Like, I get it. It's it's irritating, you know, and it's it's but but I mean, seriously, like she's badass and I love her. (laughs) <laughs> I, I just I really do so that was a really good moment although I liked uh, when I was watching again with Dr. Jones um, her comment about mm, cookies was it's a bad mercenary business model get the dead slayer first then rob the bank and I was like yeah yeah you know yeah yeah I mean um, yeah I mean he should have he should have done a demon thing rather than like you know living to the uh, you know the word of his contract he's a fucking demon do whatever the hell he wants yeah I like that we're told mm-hmm I like that we're told that there are mercenary demons and like that is enough to explain how these three massaged geeks got a hold of this demon. It's fine. All right. I mean, it's just and I guess I guess that means that we have to talk about oh god okay uh, you know I just I just the the three scrotums scrota. Is that what, I don't know what the plural of scrotum is. Um, But yeah, Uh, they're just, they're terrible and I hate them. Depends on if it's Greek or Latin. 
I mean, I don't know. Scrotums <laughs> have a real function. Scrotums? Scrotum. Scrotum. I think it's they scrotums. Have a, they have a real invalid function, sure. yeah. and that's mm-hmm. fine. These these guys, these guys have don't. no... They have no, no function. Real invalid they contribute function. nothing oh, to society. God. They're just terrible, and I hate them. I Okay. Um... The ears hate me because they represent uh, the absolute like worst elements, I think, of masculinity. And so this is going to be a discussion that we're going to be having throughout this season. I would like to say we're not saying that all men are terrible. Um, there's nothing like that. But we're talking about there are there are to- there are toxic things. There are toxically feminine things that women do. Um, these are toxically masculine things uh, that come from a masculine uh, tradition within our culture. Um, and we're going to talk about those things and that is things but it's not a man-hating show some of my favorite people are men I just want to say that Um, so misogyny, weakness, and homophobia (laughs) right are these three I'm just just sitting here with my little like misandrist lapel pin like it's fine anyway You're not a mistake. You have a son, I know, and your son oh, is don't amazing label and me. wonderful. You don't, you don't know my life. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know anything about me. Yes. You don't know anything um, about me. No. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. These dudes. These dudes. These dudes. When they showed up, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Like, how... Do I want to have, I don't want I mean, to talk about these I don't, guys. I don't want to talk about them. I don't yeah. want to talk about them. And we have to talk about them because they are a staple of this season. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they, I, it, it's the grossness mm. of Warren. Um, all of them have grossness, but Warren is kind of, I, I feel like he is the central, like without Warren, these other two would just be weak floating around not doing anything but he gives them focus and he and in, uh, like infects the whole thing with this misogyny with seeing women as objects uh you know take over the world and chicks 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 you know which is jonathan's line it's jonathan's but... line jonathan is weakness <laughs> jonathan is the absolute manifestation of weakness you know just character weakness of character um which i you know is disturbing in a lot of ways yeah i mean we will get i will get more into this as we go along i Mm -hmm. think because this is the episode that introduces these three guys as a unit as the patriarchy (laughs) the the uh oh Rob Hyrett, who does Metaphors Be With You, had yeah. a better one that I can't say because it's like quasi-Italian, like the patriarchio, maybe? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yes. These, so, I mean, like, hot take, these three dudes are problematic, right? Yeah. Like, we know that, and we know they're problematic because they are literally hiring demons. We hear yes. about all of the the bullshit that they did. In the, the past, list of things that they want, the, the the idea that it is not at all a problem for them to be like, oh yeah, make Buffy our sex slave, like this kind of thing. But okay, here's here's the problem that I have with this mm-hmm. is they are. Mm, I mean, it's it's ironic lampshading, right? It's yeah. the writers sidestepping the misogyny in the humor of these three as villains mm-hmm. by pointing it at like. We're pointing out that they're horrible by making yeah. them villains. Right. Mm-hmm. But we're still using 
the sexism and the homophobia as a source of humor. Like, right. it's, it's so funny because it's, it's cute almost, right? Well, I mean, and that is that's something that we see. I mean, prob- I don't know that it started with Revenge of the Nerds mm-hmm. in 1984, but this idea of the like, uh, the like nerdy guy misogyny. Yeah. That is somehow like, um, like the nerdy guy fights back. And yet, I mean, Revenge of the Nerds, let's not forget, has a rape scene in it. Like a rape scene played for comedy, which is just disgusting. Not entirely unlike, you know, 16 Candles. We have that there, too. And another nerd situation. Right. Yeah. You know, where we show these nerds establishing their masculinity by raping women. Um, And that is disturbing on so many levels that that for them to establish their masculinity, they have to do it through the venue of misogyny. Um, Yeah, because because that is what I mean, that is what hyper masculinity is. That is the that is the framework. The framework of masculinity is that it rejects anything that is yeah. feminine. Right. And, um, and rejects that and, and defines that as bad in and of itself. And so to access their own power through the objectification of women Right. Mm -hmm. Um, In both of those movies, you know, and we see that now happening as as a um, as a continuing trend here 20 years later. This was 20 years after Revenge of the Nerds and 16 Candles. And here we are in the same place where it's cute. Right. And I think that like one of the things is that like does the text rubber stamp you know, that uh, all of this stuff is though it's good. When you have a hero do something or say something like say Xander, um, and then we say, oh, isn't that cute? Isn't that funny? That's rubber stamping it, right? Now here we have villains and villains, you know, people are allowed to do bad things in fiction. They're absolutely allowed to. As a matter of fact, I encourage it. That's what makes fiction fun, right? Um, But when you bring in elements like this and treat them as though they are funny, even when they're villains doing them, that is a little bit of rubber stamping. That is a little bit of saying, hey, isn't this cute? As opposed to, hey, isn't this like incredibly damaging to women and, you know, like dangerous because it is exactly this kind of mindset that makes the idea of that particular kind of rape, right? Somehow not rape, right? Somehow Mm -hmm. this is cute, you know? That the only kind of rape that counts as rape is the kind where where the woman knows what is happening to her in the moment, which sometimes doesn't happen, Um, where she can scream no and fight, and then he forces himself anyway. Like, that is the only kind of rape that culturally, up until, like, a very recent moment, and even still we struggle with it, um, where we will actually view it as, you know, as this is a bad thing. And the fact that we look at this as cute and funny... You know, yeah, not good. it's a it's a tricky thing with Warren, Jonathan and Andrew, mm-hmm. I think. I and mean, obviously right now we're just working off this one episode. We're working mm-hmm. off like, how are they introduced? Right. They're introduced as kind of what? Like, mm-hmm. like they're bumbling. Right. They're but they're still they set out to be super villains. Mm-hmm. And because the the framework goes, yeah. the story says that because these three 
nerdy guys who like action figures and tabletop games and make references to Mm -hmm. Star Wars because these are the guys trying to take over Sunnydale Mm -hmm. that they are not to be taken seriously as Mm -hmm. villains, even though what they are doing and what they're proposing is dangerous. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, predatory. Mm hmm. The the framing around them, I think, by the show mm-hmm. is, but we don't take them seriously because they're not real men. Like, well, that is the... Right. Because they're nerds, which also, by the way, and one another thing that was pointed out by Dr. Kelly Jones when we were watching this is that it's it really takes down fan culture. You know, the idea that the people who feel passionately about Star Wars or about like various, you know, um, uh, entertainment properties are essentially this thing. It's associating this kind of grossness with that as well, you know, and using that as a shorthand for why we don't take these people seriously. And as somebody who's very deep into, you know, like a fandom and loving something so much that you'll spend four years of your life talking about it nonstop (laughs) on a podcast, right? I don't know anyone like that. I don't know anybody like that. Just now. I don't know. Um, You know, the idea that that is something that was used as a shorthand to say how little we need to take these people seriously you know is kind of interesting and you know and let's not forget jonathan is already a rapist right superstar the swedish girls yes. that he tricked so I was like, into <laughs> i had a moment of what now and then i was like oh yeah oh oh yeah, yeah. didn't take I... it seriously then not taking it seriously now well yeah i mean that that's an interesting like self-own right that i mm-hmm. was like wait jonathan really yes yep. exactly Mm-hmm. Like that was a nice trick show, nice trick culture. I yep. managed to forget the extent of his yeah, grossness. But his, his pedigree coming into this is not great. Like you think of Jonathan as the guy that gave Buffy the umbrella at the prom. Like that's the that first is what I thing think of, that yes. you think about when you think of Jonathan. But you don't think about the fact that he was, you know, he he created he manipulated the entire world. He you know, and then and then raped these two girls. You know, who and, seemed and to consent at the God time, but did not else, because right? they weren't in control of their minds. Yes. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, like the way in which we look at Jonathan specifically, you know, and at Andrew as we move forward with Andrew and, and Warren, we see him for the gross, disgusting piece of dirt that he is. And thank God, um, because, you know, sometimes you just need to flay a man. And <laughs> Warren is a great candidate. <laughs> I think if you're going to flay somebody, (laughs) that when you flay Warren, especially as we see what Warren does throughout, because Warren in Dead Things becomes a murderer, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, he tried to rape Katrina just because she woke up doesn't mean that he didn't have every intent of doing that and is still not responsible for that choice. Just because he got interrupted does not right. mean that that's not what he is, exactly what he is, you know. And Warren um, yeah. is the one all along who, even even as these, these dudes are introduced, mm-hmm. is he's the one who has the power, right? Yeah. He is the most, because what we're what we're playing with here is the masculinity of these three, mm-hmm. these three guys right. or lack of 
you know, access to the hegemonic ideal of masculinity, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Right. Academic, academic gender studies. Um, I love because it. Warren is the closest mm-hmm. to the hegemonic ideal of masculinity. Warren is positioned as the leader. It's yeah. Warren's idea to take over Sunnydale mm-hmm. with, you know, all of these schemes. Warren more so than Andrew or Jonathan is <sighs> yeah, but I mean, how do and- I want to like? How do I want to express this? And <laughs> just like, I I hate him so mm-hmm. much. Yes, <laughs> I'm just so ready for him to to be not- played. I'm so ready for it. Let's like, let's flay Warren right now. Feminist icon, mm-hmm. <laughs> Dark Willow, flaying yes. Warren. I'm I'm here for it. It's 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 pretty damn good. It's but one of the things too is that like you know all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Now I'm not going to argue at all that Andrew and Jonathan are good men. No, um, I think that they are. Um, they're very easily you know kind of. I don't think that they on their own would probably do a whole lot. Although I guess, I guess, you know, um, well, I don't know. No, I take it back. Jonathan has already, you know, shown himself to be what he is in Superstar. And Andrew, although this is, you know, informed, right? Because they they couldn't get the guy who played Tucker. So they got Andrew to, uh, to come in and he sent, I don't know, flying monkeys on the school play, which is an episode of Buffy that we never saw. Um, but I'm, I'm, a sh- I'm certain Buffy, you know, which stopped that Which is such a bummer. Plan. Like, yeah. I really... <laughs> I want to see that. I, I really want to see that. that. And you then know, how funny like... it is. They're like, run, Juliet. Like, how they thought yeah. that was so funny that this girl was being chased by flying monkeys you know i mean it's so hard when your older brother mm-hmm. like unleashes hellhounds at prom like how do you how do you make a attention. name for yourself right. how do you make a name for yourself as a sunnydale creep when you're when your brother pulls a stunt like that then you have to like find something to do anyway mm-hmm. yeah anyway. it's just it's it's always yeah. gonna be a problem for andrew yeah um but yeah like generally the three of them um they are uh they give me this gross, horrible feeling, like whenever I watch them, you know. Um, at the same time, I really do like what these guys do for the idea of human evil, you know. Yes. Um, and and the fact that evil is not, you know, um, monopolized by demons and vampires, that we are seeing the reality of what what people can do. Um, who are just left to their own devices. Um, and I like that discussion that we have in um, in season six. Um, and actually, I, I really like season six. The more I look at season six critically, the more I really enjoy it. But these guys um, represent things that are, are very real um, within our culture that we have all had some experience with, I think, to a certain degree. Um, and it is very difficult to uh, talk about them and engage with them as villains because they are closer to a reality in which we live. You yeah, know? I think uh, I think you just hit the nail on the head. They're mm-hmm. a little too recognizable. Yeah, like they're a little too recognizable. And I think you and I and probably a lot of people listening to this podcast do not need to be convinced of the toxicity yeah. present in men who don't uphold some, you know, hyper masculine ideal. Right. Like you and I do mm-hmm. not need to be convinced that the man who is not 
the jock or the CEO mm-hmm. or, right. you know, fill in the blank with some other like masculine ideal in society because mm-hmm. the patriarchy is a virus. Um, you and I don't need to be convinced that like, hey, a dude can look unassuming and mm-hmm. still be a predator. Yeah. The most evil man I ever knew is pretty much one of these guys, um, you know, in real life. And yeah. Um, it's, it's absolutely very disturbing to interact with it. It's a very real experience that a lot of people have had and it can make season six. And I think this is part of it, right? Here yeah. we are in flooded and we're going to come right back to why did all of this really shitty reality end up in my fantasy show? Right. Um, why are we not talking about this with a layer of metaphor between us and that? Right. Which is what we've done up until now. Right. There's been this yeah. layer of metaphor between it that we could kind of use as a buffer zone. And we don't get that in this season. We are going directly into it. And it is uncomfortable. And I don't enjoy it as much, you know, especially in episodes like this, where we're actually dealing with a pile of bills on the table. I mean, ugh, yeah, like a literal pile of bills. There is just... nothing I hate more than goddamn paperwork. And if you give me a demon that is made of nothing but papers and paperwork <gasps> oh and forms to fill out, oh my God, you know, um, yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> so, you know, so when we look at all of this, when we see the reality of Buffy's situation, when we see the reality of our healthcare system, uh, quote unquote, that ends up, you know, people who do everything right get destroyed by our healthcare system. Um, you know, when we've got a, a kid who has to take care of her sister, having to get a shitty job, not getting paid for her work, and then we have these three on top of all of that i think that's a reason why flooded uh, flooded i think as a narrative as a written episode of television is not terrible but it is really difficult to enjoy at all and it ends up being like an irritant you know it's like that that little that little tiny piece of rock in your shoe as you're walking and you're like ugh, you know um it, it just feels like that and maybe that's a sign of actually a successful episode that it went yeah. after a particular effect and did it so well that i hate it yeah right i mean yeah. we're like with buffy in this mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. we are with her <laughs> like yeah she, she is having a hard time and like yeah same girl (laughs) same girl yeah exactly you know and I think that Buffy like um I like what we're doing with Buffy actually in this episode I don't like what we're doing with her life but I like what we're doing with her her inability to connect you know I mean we have this wonderful moment right when Giles comes in and she walks over you know and he hugs her and she hugs him back you're still incredibly strong and she's hurting Uh him she's hugging him so hard right and there's that moment and then when they talk, they're not connected, right? She is not even that aware of him. She has this lack of affect to the point that Willow, when Willow sees her get angry, is like, hey, you're angry. That's great. I slept with Riley and Angel. Oh, oh, ask me how much I hate that scene. (laughs) So weird. I mean, so weird, right? Like, what? Also, what? I don't know. 
anyway. Yeah. Oh, so, God. um, I love, you know, we have Buffy, we have her, her lack of ability to connect with anyone except Spike, right? Who pops into the backyard <laughs> for one scene and opens the door to throw the demon in the thing just because James Marshers was getting paid to be in the episode. So let's go ahead and do something. But they didn't do much with him at all. Um, uh, but it's nice to see him there, you know, but I mean, she goes into the backyard and she can actually talk to him about what's going on. You know, um, she tells him, I have to pretend that I'm okay so that they're okay. You know, um, I have to worry about how they're feeling, you know, um, and is able to have that conversation with him, which I think is really good. Um, but I also love the fact that like, she makes all these jokes throughout the entire, and they just all fall flat. She jokes so much mm-hmm. in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I find really interesting. Yeah. Um, I've maybe, spent, I've, I was all that time yeah. being dead and frugal, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe I lo- I just kind of find it fascinating because that is also my response to trauma. Right. Like, you know, if my life weren't funny, it would just be true. And that is unacceptable, as Carrie Fisher said. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I love that she's joking because she really like honestly what else is she Mm -hmm. gonna do but no one else thinks it's funny no one else gets it like she's just removed from everybody you know we burn the house down for the insurance Mm -hmm. money plus fire pretty and everyone's like what yeah and they're just staring at her they just don't get it you know so she's so disconnected from everybody except of course spike Right. Yes. Um, which I think is really nice. And of course, I, I love our we don't get much of Spike. There's not really anything to talk about, but it's always fun to see him because he's always fun, you know. Um, but yeah, I like all of that. Um, here's the thing that I thought was a little it, it felt so deliberate, you know, as to be meaningful, but I haven't gotten the meaning out of it. So I was wondering if you had an idea um, in the beginning. Right. We have Buffy. She's standing at the kitchen sink. She's you know, everybody else is doing the morning time breakfast thing and she's just running the water. Right. Yeah. She's just running and staring at the running water. And then Willow has to come over and shut it off. Um, then down in the basement at the end, after she's killed mm, cookies and, you know, we <laughs> mm, cookies, we hardly knew ye. Um, so after she's drowned in cookies, she is just staring at the dripping faucet, which apparently they've had just dripping into the basement this whole time. It's like mm-hmm. they're treating the basement's been flooded like that for a couple of days. There's no sump pumps going. There's nothing like that's. It's not a pool. Like that is going to destroy your foundation and the whole house is going to collapse in. So like you you really don't want to like have your basement just full of sanding water for like days and days on end. I get it. Um, But whatever. Uh, But she's staring at this, um, you know, at this dripping pipe that's there and just staring at it. And I'm like, there's, it seems to me like there should be some meaning to this running water that Buffy is so obsessed with. What is it? I couldn't figure it out. I mean, Okay, well, water is, generally speaking, a symbol of the unconscious mind Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. our emotions. Mm -hmm. So when she's watching the water just slip down the drain Mm -hmm. in the beginning, she's she can't connect it's it's that lack of affect she can't connect to emotions they come out of the faucet and they go straight down the drain right but then Mm -hmm. at the end there's this buildup of flooded not the emotional it's the emotional weight of everything that has happened Mm -hmm. um it's the overflowing responsibility and this emotional state that she Mm -hmm. describes to spike of trying to 
Oh, she says it so great, so well, and I wrote it down. It's in my notes. Here I go. I'm scrolling. Um. Oh, I didn't write it down, but she talks about it being exhausting, spending a bunch of time trying to be okay, so that yes. the people who love her won't worry. Mm-hmm. Um. So it, it's this like, it's this buildup of emotion. Mm-hmm. So at the end, she's standing in this water which is a literal problem she has to solve yeah as well as a a symbolic representation of all of the emotion that she can't that has nowhere to go yeah she just has to hide Mm -hmm. it under Mm -hmm. the house there's nowhere there's nowhere for it to go yeah um but at the end she's literally standing in it she's like waist deep in it because there's so much it's inescapable she is emotionally flooded her life is is flooded with problems and mm-hmm. responsibilities and there's there's just no outlet there's no demons from, there's... are literally floating in it dead yes right <laughs> yeah i love that i love that read i knew you would have a genius read you're the <laughs> best all right noel what's your favorite part oh my gosh i have a couple of favorite parts mm-hmm. um i have a couple of favorite parts mostly because i just love i love Giles's work dad. Like Aww, I love yeah. I love Giles offering to go through every single bill with Buffy in the mm-hmm. morning. Yeah. Um I'm an acts of service love yep. language person, so mm-hmm. that does Aww. it for me. Yeah. If I have a pile of bills as big as I am and you're like, look, in the morning, <laughs> one by one, we'll just take care of this. Yeah. Um also Giles offering to be Don's control group for her serial experiment. Oh, right. Yes. I I I mean I call him work dad and I think he mm-hmm. is work dad yeah. still in this episode. But if for a few minutes, he stops being work dad and is just dad. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I'm pro dad. It's kind of wonderful. Yeah. See, I told you you're not a misandrist. <laughs> you just don't like the bad men. That's all. I just don't like most men. <laughs> all right. Send your letters. Sorry, just joking. Um <laughs> All right, so my favorite part in this episode is the Giles and Buffy reunion. That moment when he says, you're a miracle, and I always knew that. Like, oh my God, it makes me cry every single time. And I just loved it. I love reunions. It's my favorite thing. (laughs) Thanks, work dad. Thanks, work dad. All right. If you enjoyed this conversation, would like to join in, connect with the show on Twitter, follow at Chipperish and use the hashtag still pretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad free right now. So thank you to our September producers, Abigail, Alice, Erica, Rose, Jonathan, Jonathan, Kristen, Sarah and Shelley. And this week's special message for our power producers, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It's unbelievably important. You should eat breakfast at least three times a day. (laughs) To find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or have a cappuccino and a pack of cigarettes to go with your research. We will be back next time with Life Serial, the fifth episode of season six. Until then... That's not a horn. <laughs>